Hey guys, it's Heaven from Just a Grown True Crime, and today I'm going to be telling you about this app called Anchor. It helped me start my podcast, and it can help you start yours. Anchor is a free app that lets you use it from your phone or your computer. So if you want to do it on the go, and you want to just record, you can record one. Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so much more to get your own podcast out there. You can make money from your own podcast with no minimum listenership. So it's everything you want in just one podcast. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. I did. What are you waiting for? Hey guys, welcome back to Just a Girl and True Crime. I'm your host, Heaven. And tonight we're going to be talking about the murder of Shanann Bella, Celeste, and baby Nico. Now, I told myself I wouldn't do this case because it's so heartbreaking, but I keep seeing it on my Facebook page. I've watched the doc series on Netflix of it and everything, and it it is just a sad story. So I figured I might as well do it to get it out of the way. Um, So I just want to hop right into this tragic case because it's a long one. Alright, I was going to put it into two parts, but I decided not to because I don't want to talk about it more than I have to. Um, if you hear my husband snoring again in this episode, I'm sorry. Okay, so Shanann was born January 10th in 1984 in Clifton, New Jersey, United States. She... I'm assuming her parents eventually moved to North Carolina, and she was brought up in the Moore County of North Carolina. She did her schooling from Pinecrest High School in Southern Southern Pines. Her parents are Frank, I might pronounce the last name wrong, Rusnik and Sandra Rusnik, and she also had a brother as well, and his name was Frankie Rusnik. Shanann was married to a man named Leonard Kim, but they eventually ended up getting divorced in 2009. And then Shanann and Chris met in 2010 when he sent her a Facebook message, and they ended up getting married in Mucklenburg County on November 3rd in 2012. They went on to have two daughters together. Their first daughter was named Bella Marie Watts, and she was born December 17, 2013. And then two years later, they welcomed their second daughter, Celeste Catherine Watts, or also known as Cece. And she was born July 17, 2015. I love the name Celeste, and I love the name Bella. And I also love the name Baby Nico. They're just, uh, there's, they're such great names. Um, they lived in a five-bedroom home in Frederick, Colorado. Chris was employed by the, um, Andarco Petroleum, while Shanann worked from home selling a product for Thrive for the multi-level marketing company called Lavelle. Okay. 
um now i'm gonna like jump around here because i saw one thing on the website and then i saw another so just bear with me they did end up declaring bankruptcy in 2015 um so in 2014 their combined income was of about $90,000. Um, but eventually, like I said, in 2015, they filed for bankruptcy, stating that their $3,000 mortgage and $600 car payments took up most, flip my page, most of their $4,900 in monthly expenses. So, eventually, that stuff was, like, settled, I guess, somehow. And then the Homeowners Association ends up suing them for unpaid HOA fees. Um, on May 5th, 2018, Shanann posts a sweet Facebook Live video where Shanann muses about family life, saying... I love waking up now on Saturdays and being able to enjoy my family and talking about being excited about the upcoming summer in Colorado. I believe that everything in life happens for a reason, and I also believe everything in life happens for a reason. And I also believe that people are placed in our life for a reason, she also says. In a video, Chris can also be seen playing with the girls. And then on June 11, 2018, Shanann surprises Chris with the news that they're expecting their third baby. In a video, Shanann is wearing a shirt that says, Oops, we did it again, and surprises Chris with the news of their pregnancy. And he reacts by saying this, That's awesome. If my husband reacted that way I'd be like oh so you're not excited um then on June 17th 2018 <clears throat> Shanam post that was my oldest Shanam post a Father's Day message to Chris on Facebook saying this Chris we are so incredibly blessed to have you the message says you do so much every day for us and take such great care of us you are the reason I was brave enough to agree to number three. From laundry to kid showers, you are incredible and we are so lucky to have you in our life. Happy Father's Day. Also, in July, Chris starts a physical relationship with his co-working co-worker named Nicole Kess Kessinger. Kessinger. According to the Denver Post, Chris sees Kessinger about four to five times a week and they start their physical relationship in early July. He eventually ends up telling Kessinger that he's almost divorced to Shanann when that's obviously not true. Later that month, while Shanann and the girls are out of town in North Carolina, he ends up telling Kessinger that the divorce is finally final and it's done, like he's not married to her. Insider reports that Kessinger goes over to Chris's home for the first time on July 4th and they have their first phone call on record on July 7th. 
They also go on a date to the Shelby American Collection Car Museum. On July 14th, they spend the nights at <clears throat> Great Sand Dunes National Park. And then on July 28th, while his, all while his family was away. So they did all of that while his family was in North Carolina and Chris was just having an affair with a co-worker. And then July 30th, he gives her a love note before eventually joining his family on vacation in North Carolina. So July 31st, he ends up flying to where Shannon and the girls are to join his family. But despite being a, on a family vacation, Shannon, sorry, Shanann, texts um, her friend that were forwarded. Um, and basically it shows signs of a troubled, like something's troubled in, troubled in the marriage and between the couple. Further messages showed that there were tensions, like I said, between not only her and Chris, but Chris's parents as well, because Celeste had some allergy, and she, like, made it known, and, um, she came into her in-laws, and they had, like, nuts, and I guess it was either she was around it, or she was about to put one in her mouth, and, like, she freaked out and called her dad to come pick her up, because she didn't have a car because they were on vacation. So there's a lot of tension there as well. Um, on August 4th, 2008, Kessinger shops for wedding dresses online. So just weeks after they started talking, or talking, Kessinger's cell phone data shows that she was looking at the wedding dresses for two hours. If you just started talking to, you know, this guy... Why are you automatically thinking about marriage? That's a little weird, right? So then on August 9th, 2018, Shanann leaves on a business, um, leaves on business to Arizona. After confiding to her friends about her troubles with Chris, she texted a friend that she and Chris had their best talk yet before she left for her trip. And she also drafts him a handwritten letter on August 11th, 2018. Chris decides to hire a babysitter and goes out with Kessinger while his wife is away. And he basically tells the sitter that he's going to a baseball game with co-workers, but instead he goes to the bar with Kessinger. In 2000, in August thir on August 13th, 2018, at 1.48 a.m., Shanann returns home from her business trip, and they were in, like, the wee hours, and her friend, Nicole Atkinson, gives Sh Shanann a ride home, and then on August, the same day, August 13th, Chris... Wakes Shanann up as he's getting ready for work and he wants to talk about their marriage in the future, according to his later confession. Despite Shanann carrying their unborn son, who they've already named Nico Lee, 
I mean, that, like I said, that's just a cute name. But anyway, he ends up telling her about his affair and that their marriage won't last it because this happened. Shanann then replies to Chris that he won't see the kids again and then he decides to strangle her to death. Bella, their oldest daughter, who was four at this time, comes in and asks what's wrong with mommy. Um, I'm guessing along the lines because I didn't write this down. I think I read like he just said like nothing. Um, he then wraps Shanann's body in a blanket and carries her to his truck. Then he ends up putting his two daughters in the back seat and drives to his work site. He then smothers Celeste in the back seat and puts her body in an oil tank and then goes to do the same thing to Bella and he puts her in the tank right next to Celeste. Chris then goes to bury his wife in like a, I say shallow grave, as he later confessed in prison. Um, still on August 13th, Chris tells Denver ABC affiliate, I left for work early that morning, like 5.15 to 5.30, admitting that he and Shanann had an emotional conversation. Around 1.40 p.m. that same day, Shanann's friend Nicole becomes worried when she doesn't hear from Shanann. Nicole called her and texted her several times times in the day and she knew she had a doctor's appointment that morning because she was pregnant and she didn't show up for that so that was just like red flags for her and then that's when Nicole got even more concerned than what she was so Shanann is reported missing at 140 after Nicole calls the police who do a wellness check I'm not wellness welfare check and when they go inside the home they find Shanann's phone her keys and her purse are still at the house so where could she have gone if she was pregnant she had if she had the girls like why would she leave her phone I don't know about some people but my phone I tell people it's my lifeline because I only know one number and that's my husband's and If her car was there, obviously you didn't take your car because all of that stuff is there. According to the news stations, husband Chris says that she was going to a friend's house with the kids and that's the last thing he heard and that it was, and it was very vague. Like, he was just like, yeah, I don't know anything. She just said she's going to a friend's. You didn't ask, like, what friend? You you kind of, like, pushed it off. The next day, on August 14th, the Colorado, Colorado Bureau of Investigation issued an endangered missing alert. Um, Chris talks to Denver's ABC affiliates and then pleads for their return. And this is what he says. Shanann, Bella, Celeste, if you're out there, just come back. Like, if somebody has her, just please bring her back. I need to see everybody. I need to see everyone again. This house is not complete without anybody here. Please bring them back. I'm sorry. Um, this, my, this is what I said. I'm sorry. I mean, 
you just killed your family, right? And then you're going to go on to live TV and wish for them to return home knowing that you killed them. I mean, you have to be sick because I don't know how you could act like that with knowing what you just did, but you're going, please, like, you want to be the caring person, like, okay. Um, the following day on August 15th in 2018, the FBI joins the search for the missing mother and daughters. Um, Chris was asked to take a polygraph test, and he agreed to take one, which was dumb, because I'm pretty sure he knew he was going to fail. Like, why would you agree to take one if you knew what you did? You weren't going to pass that. So it's no surprise that he does end up failing the polygraph test. The police um, or FBI tell him that he fails the test, but he continues to deny everything, saying he doesn't know what happened to them. He said you know she was supposed to be at a friend's house like i have no idea what's going on and they're like no chris no like you failed something's wrong like you you know more than what you're saying so then chris eventually asked to speak with his dad ronnie and they allowed him to come in and the police and stuff ended up like leaving they're like take as long as you need um and he's just talking to his dad and then Chris actually confesses to Ronnie and this is what Chris told his dad he told him that he killed Shanann but falsely claims that the reason he had to kill her was because she had smothered Bella and Celeste and everything so he had no other choice after he after he said she killed them, he had to kill her. So on August 16th, all three of their bodies were discovered at Chris's work site. The same day, Chris appears in Weld County Court for a bond hearing and he gets denied bond. Also on that same day, Kessinger, you know, the one he had an affair with, speaks to the police saying, I legitimately legitimately think his cheese was sliding off his cracker long before he had met me. And I find this so crazy because when they found Shanann's body, Celeste and Bella's, um, which is crazy because my, bo- my son, my oldest was born... August 16th, 2015. So he was, when all, like, he went to court and stuff like that, he was just turning three years old. And I'm just like, wow. Like, that's, I find it weird. I'm, I'm going to tell you something crazier then. Um, and everything. But it was just bizarre to me. Okay, anyway, we're getting off topic. Then on August 21st, 2018, just a week after he pleaded for their safe return, Chris was charged with three counts of first-degree murder plus two additional first-degree charges 
for victims being 12 or younger. Additionally, he faces another count of the unlawful termination of a pregnancy plus three counts of tampering with a body, so a total of nine charges. On September 1st, 2018, Shanann, Bella, and Celeste are remembered at their funeral at the Scarred, I think that's what I put, I couldn't read my writing right there, Scarred Heart Catholic Church in Pinehurst, North Carolina, during the 90-minute ceremony, which started off with singing Amazing Grace. That's such a great song. Um, Chris was never mentioned, as he shouldn't be, because you took your their granddaughters away, you took their daughter away, so why should you be mentioned? You shouldn't, because that's just wrong. Um, the priest then reads a statement from Shanann's father, Frank, and it says this, you are nothing, you are nothing but pure love, always caring for everyone. You will always be daddy's little girl. And uh, that just tugs at my heartstrings, guys. Like, you have no idea. Like, I could, and you know, like I see, I listen to a lot of Dateline on my pod, on podcasts. And, um, they say parents should never have to, have to bury their own children. Your children are supposed to outlive you. I mean, which makes sense. Um, and I could not imagine having to do that to, like, one of my kids. Because I think my world would end and it would be so hard to get through the day. So, November 6, 2018, Chris appears in court pleading guilty to all nine criminal accounts. Shanann's family requests that the death penalty should not be sought, probably, because I think, um, I believe in the death penalty if it's necessary, but sometimes I think it's like a bitch way out, because you're like, oh, I'm gonna do these heinous crimes, and... If they just give me the death penalty, then you're not really serving time because you're just going to die. I believe you should rot in a jail cell. That's my opinion. But I do agree with the death penalty on certain things. Um, November 19, 2018. I might pronounce this judge's first name wrong. Judge Marcello Cop. Kapow, cop, cop cow, <laughs> calls the murder, calls the murder spree, perhaps the most inhuman, inhumane, and vicious crime I have ever handled, handled, out of the thousands of cases that I have seen. Issuing five life sentences without the possibility of parole, including 48 years for unlawful termination of Shanann's pregnancy and another 36 years for disposing of the bodies of his family. Also on this day, Shanann's parents file for a wrongful death against Chris, which yeah, I definitely would do that. So, another thing I found out, when Shanann died, she was 15 weeks. 
pregnant when she and baby Nico passed. And Shanann hinted in the last three times in early to mid-May that she was pregnant. On June 11th, she said she knew she was six weeks pregnant and that her due date was February 1st, 2019. Which means conception was approximately on April 30th. Which, this blows my mind because I, I have two kids and my youngest son's birthday is February 6, 2019. So, only five days apart from when her little son, Nico, was supposed to be brought into the world. And I find it like, oh man, I find it so bizarre. And so sad at the same time because it's like, I heard, you know, he wanted a son and everything. And it's just like, how, how are you going to take your family's life? That, that makes no sense to me. And it's sad. But that's what I just wanted to say. I found, I found that even weirder when I read that. I was like, oh my god, my son's birthday was like five days away from when baby Nico was supposed to be born. And it's just crazy. Um, on December 3rd, 2018, Chris was transferred to the Wisconsin Correctional Facility due to safety concerns. I mean, come on. Who, who, who really gives a fuck? I, I don't care. I mean, do you? No, probably not. Um, on February 18th, 2019, Chris does a, f- a five-hour interview from prison. There, Chris reaccounts the harrowing details of his young daughter's final moments and confesses to killing them and disposing of their bodies. He says this, This was like the eptone of of beginning angry, the eptone of losing your mind. He, He said, even admitting that the older daughter... Bella asked if he was going to do the same thing that he did to his sister, her sister, Cece, and that the four-year-old tried to, not tried, she did fight back. Um, I read that she was the only one who fought, and I mean, that's crazy, but just keep that piece of information in your mind real quick because we're actually going to go back to it. On November 18, 2019, almost a year after Shanann's parents filed the civil suit, Weld County Judge Todd Taylor... Let me flip my page. Todd Taylor rules that Chris owes Shanann's parents $6 million. That's $3 million for each death and three million for emotional pain the amount will grow within with um an eight percent interest while it's unlikely that they actually will see any of the money it prevents chris from basically profiting off of the murders in any way so you know how like some people are like 
oh yeah, you can do like the doc series, the, what is it, the American Murder, something like that. It's been a while since I watched it. Um, so like if they would do that, he can't make money or he wants to sell his rights to like somebody to write a book. He can't make that money because that's what's stopping it, which is good because he shouldn't profit it. Um, now I was on my Facebook and, um, I saw that he wrote a letter can like actually confessing to like the events leading up to that day like the day before and the day of the murders. And I want to say from what I did, he wrote it to a woman so she could write like a book and everything about it. Um, and I'm actually going to read that. Just let me take a drink real quick because, oh man, this letter is, it's tough. It was tough to write. I'm not going to lie. So, I found it. I decided to write about it. To write it in there. And, like I said, it it was hard. It was really hard. And I struggled. And, I, like I said, I struggled with the case. Because, like I said in the beginning, I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to say his name, like, and give him, like, more like of a satisfaction like oh yes people are still talking about me no but I mean I see it all the time and I'm just like let me let me do it because Shanann, Bella, Celeste and I and baby Nico I bet they were all loving people Shanann was so pretty um the girls were absolutely beautiful, and there's no doubt in my mind that Nico wouldn't have been a handsome little boy. And it's so sad that he killed such a loving mom who loved her girls and loved baby Nico. It It's gut-wrenching to know that family men could actually do th like and not even just men women too could like you know you wake up one day and be like yeah i'm just gonna kill them but let's let's hop into this letter and then we'll chat a little bit all right so here goes the oh real quick before i do the letter so it isn't no secret that chris had many fans writing to him while he is in prison. Um, and I think most of them were women who wrote to him saying, like, you know, keep your head up, stuff like that. I mean, I've even read letters before I finish this up that they thought he was innocent. And I'm like, what? No. How? How do you think he's innocent if he admitted to stuff? And to this letter I'm about to read, he admits to doing it. That Shanann didn't do anything. It was all Chris. So, you know, he is, he's got a fan base. And I just find it crazy. Because I wouldn't want to write a murder. I mean, I enjoy talking about serial killers. But I wouldn't write to a murder. Absolutely not. So let's write this letter. Um, He wrote to... I might pronounce 
the lady's name wrong. I'm going to just pronounce it how it looks. He wrote this letter to a woman named Sherlin. Sherlin. And it was written on April 23rd in 2019. That's what that, that's what it said. And I just found it, so I don't know. So it was news to me because I didn't see any letters before, but then I haven't, I didn't want to bring myself to the hardcore discuss the case until I was like, oh, let me do it. Okay. And I'm going to read it word for word. So if it sounds funky, that's just how it was written and that's where I got it from. It says, Dear Sherlin, hello again. I hope you are doing well. It has been awesome talking with you on the phone. But I know the 15 minute time frame is a pain sometimes. I can get right back on the phone. But right now there are other inmates that like to be on the phone as much as I do. So I respect their time as well. How's your dad doing? I've been praying on that every day. Yes, that petition, that petition really blew my mind. And that people really want, want to make me suffer like that. Even if they, even if they did take my pictures. They can't take my memories. An inmate from another institution wrote me about that subject and said, if they take your pics, I abbreviated a little bit, they would need to take the pictures from the other 500 to 600 people that have their family's pictures up on their cell convicted of the same act. I do feel like I should be incarcerated for the act that I committed. I most definitely think so. Yes, Chris, you fucking think? Do I imagine myself ever doing anything like this or to be a danger to, so to society? I most definitely think not. If I were to be released, I know I would go straight into a ministry and start going to jails or prisons to help inmates. I mean, one, Chris. What? Ministry? I mean, I've heard of people finding God in prison. And I mean, I believe in God fully. Jesus, I am so sorry. He is loud. Um, but, I mean... <laughs> I, sometimes I just think they do that just to uh, find something to do, I guess. But I don't know. If God let me, led me to ordain, I would go that route as well. Possibly even be, being a chaplain. Maybe the laws will change one day. My attorney team could see I was different and knew that this was a one-time occurrence for me. They told me that in Europe, the law is I would serve 20 years or so for homicide, and in California, after 25 years of imprisonment on a life sentence, you can be released if you are, 
if you had good behavior. So there's hope for everyone to live outside prison walls. I know physically I'm behind these walls, but my spirit is free with Christ. If God keeps putting it on your heart that there is more to the story than what I told to the FBI has, you're correct. I don't like saying this stuff like that over the phone because I'm never certain when they screen calls. But, I mean, you've already admitted, I mean, I don't think they would tack anything on, but I, I don't know. I don't know how the prison system is. I know I already told you the vision I had before August 13th. When I was laying in bed and all the lights were on in the loft and downstairs and I felt so alone, that it, that's exactly what happened April 14th when I was laying in bed. I don't know if you want this in the book or if God does, but here are the things I left out. And he like numbered like three things. So the first thing is August 12th when I finished when I finished I walked away and said that's that's the last time I'm going to tuck my babies in. So he put them to bed and he walked away and said this is the last night I'm going to do this. I knew what was going to happen the day before and I did nothing to stop it. I was numb to the entire world. I had literally taken my kids to a birthday party, played with water balloons, had an amazing time, sang songs all the way home. I gave them a bath, a shower, ate dinner, read bedtime stories, and sang bedtime songs, and still nothing registered. When Shanann had to be somewhere, I always enjoyed taking the girls' places or playing outside because it was our opportunity to bond. And still the night before, I couldn't stop myself from what I knew, I, what I knew would occur the next morning. And the second thing he says, August 13th, morning of the morning of the murders I went to the girls room first before Shanann and I had our argument I went to Bella's room then Cece's room used a pillow from their bed to kill them that's why the cause of death was smothering after I left Cece's room then I climbed back into bed with Shanann in our argument ensued. After Shanann had passed away, Bella and Cece woke up. I'm not sure how they woke back up, but they did. Could you imagine? You did some terrible crime, and you thought you killed your daughters, and they woke back up. If that is not some spiritual thing, or something like that, saying like, hey, no, 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 this isn't right, but you did it anyway. And it probably scared him, I'm not gonna lie. Because that would scare me, 
if I, I'm, I would never do that, but if some something ever triggered, I'd be like, oh my god, what did I do? But don't worry, I would never do that. I don't got, I don't got a bone like that in my body. Trust me. Okay. I lost my roof. Okay. So when they woke up, um, and Bella, like, came to their room, Bella's, Chris says Bella's eyes were bruised, and both girls looked like they had been through trauma. Yeah. You think, Chris? You literally tried to smother your kids. I would say that's enough trauma. That made the act that much worse knowing. I went to the rooms first. I and I and I don't get this part, but he, this is what he wrote. I went to the rooms first. I still took their lives at that location of the batteries. I don't know if it was supposed to be batteries, but that's what he put in the letter. Batteries. So I'm very confused. And then the last reason is the reason the medical examiner found oxycodone in Shanann's system is because I gave it to her. I thought it would be easier to be with Nicole if Shanann wasn't pregnant. And I did read, you know, he was giving her, like, stuff to get her to try to miscarry the baby, and it wasn't working. Which is just sad. I mean, like I tell, like I tell my husband and like I tell other people, I'm grateful I can get pregnant because I know there are some people out there who can't have children, and most, not if not most, all women want to experience actually being able to carry their own child and have a baby and you know some people just can't do it and my heart breaks for them because they will never experience that and that's just sad so I always like to say I'm grateful because I was blessed with that thankfully um he then goes on to say I don't know if this was a spiritual visit but I had a dream Cece was dancing next to the chair in my cell when she was dancing, all of my folders on the chair started moving. I thought she was in trouble, so I said, watch out, get away, watch out. Then I woke up. I'm hoping she comes back. I hope everyone comes to visit me. I'm trying to see if I can clear my head better before I go to sleep. And that's basically like him admitting... You know, saying, yes, I did all this. Shanann didn't do anything. Um, and remember, you know, like I said, that Bella was the one who fought back. And when I read things online, and I read what she said to her dad, like when he first killed Cece, and Bella was obviously a very smart four-year-old, and she said, you know, Daddy, are you going to do the same thing to me like you did to Cece for a four-year-old to be able to register or think that, oh my God, I'm next. Um, and, you know, the words were playing my mind where she's just like, Daddy, no, Daddy, no, Daddy, stop. 
And like Chris said, I want to say in a Dr. Phil interview that I read um, that she was the one who fought back hard and he said she was the only one. He said that Shanann didn't fight back and Cece didn't fight back. And I mean, that's sad. I mean, and then for you just to dump your girls in an oil tank. And I don't remember what, which girl, it, which of the girls it was. Um, I want to say it's it was Bella, but I'm not 100% sure that she wasn't small enough to fit. So um, hair actually like came out of her scalp and was stuck on the top. And that, oh man, oh my gosh, I I can't. And then he said, you know, when he dumped Shanann's body, he saw his son eject out of her body. And I think that would kill me as well. Like, that, that would be hard. I would imagine it would be hard for anybody. So after he says that, he then says... I like that John 10.10 passage you sent. I wish I could have had an open ear to hear the Lord calling me June, July, and August. If we run in sin, we won't hear the shepherd calling us. I couldn't discern between the good spirits and the evil spirits. And that eventually lodged me into a deep pit. I couldn't climb back out of. Take care and God bless Chris. And you know what people say the devil disguises himself sometimes very well. And you, you know you think it'd be a normal person, but it's like the devil in disguise who makes you want to do like all these bad things. And what he did to his family, it, like I said before, probably multiple times, it's terrible. And you're hoping, you know, to get out one day. I don't think you should ever get out because you killed your whole family. Over what? Some affair? I mean, people go through affairs, you know, um... And some work through it. Um, You know, some people have had bad childhoods. Young. I know I've had a bad childhood. And I'm not a serial killer. I'm not saying he had a bad childhood. But, you know, like, some of the other serial killers that we'll cover, like Ted Bundy, um, Jeffrey Dahmer, Charles Manson. You know, they had bad childhoods. You know, they were serial killers. I grew up in a bad, I had a bad childhood from as early as my memory is five until at least 16, 17. And I think I turned out okay. So, no, I think some people just find it like as an outlet and an excuse. And... I just think it's so stupid that he got rid of his family to be with a co-worker. I mean, come on. that That's a piss-poor excuse to me. 
Um, anyway, guys, so this was our mini episode, or minisode. Um, I'm going to be uploading Saturdays. I'll upload every Wednesday and Saturday now. Um, just so if I don't finish Friday and everything, I can, um, do it Saturday morning. Or, yeah, probably early in the Saturday morning. I don't know what case I'm doing. I have a couple in my head, but I'm not sure right I'm not sure about it. Um, but if you want to follow me, follow me on Instagram at just a girl in true crime. If you want to send me an email, send me an email at just a girl and true crime at gmail.com. Please share this with your family and friends and spread the world of our true crime podcast. I've noticed I now have United States, the UK, New Zealand, and our newest people who listen from Turkey. So thank you all for listening. I promise to get better. Um, You know, if you have any critiques for me, please feel free to reach out to me as long as they're not too mean because I'm very sensitive, like I always say. And just ask my husband. <laughs> I take criticism a little pretty decent, but harsh. I, I'll just get upset, I think. But I will only improve if you guys tell me what to improve on and how I can make this more fun for you. I hope you enjoyed listening to this story. And I want to thank all of you guys from the bottom of my heart that you... It, that the ones that are still with me and I'm just like just bear on you know we'll all get through this together um so that's it and I will be seeing talking to you guys Saturday have a good night stay safe and I'll see you guys Saturday